Okay. Are you serious? I can't Welcome. do the Bible without Wi-Fi. Oh, it doesn't. You don't have it downloaded. I died in. You should. Huh. You might be able to also um, open it up before, like, open up the PowerPoint that I no, loaded. away after Wi-Fi. Oh, you have. Power. Yeah. Well, I'll show Can you how you to do it. No, he has a Bible app, but it's not working right now without Wi-Fi for some reason. Right. Yeah, next time you should download the PowerPoint. Yeah, oh, yeah, and then you'll have it. Yes. So okay, so live and learn. No Wi-Fi. No, no. 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 Uh, Chris, so I don't see the first verse on here. Leviticus seven. Yeah. This is it's the law of the guilt yeah. offering. It is most holy. Yeah, it just says holy, and then it goes to verse 2. Oh, I have it on mine. I'm sorry. I have to figure out what happened. What, what is it? She said she's not and seeing the first verse on the download. Elevation 7 is like in the middle of the writing. Huh. Oh, do, you, do you see it on yours? Yeah. Okay. The law of guilt offering. Do you see it somewhere? I want to have the guilt offering. She's going old school. She sees it all. Old school. <laughs> Uh, verse 1 of Leviticus 7. I'll have to check that, Tanya. So this is the law of the guilt offering. It is most holy. In the place where they shall slaughter the elevation offering, shall they slaughter the guilt offering. Oh, I'm reading out of, I'm reading out of the Torah. I'm going to go back up to what I was supposed to be reading. Sorry. I got all discombobulated. I went old school. <laughs> Technology. Keep up with it. Sylvia and Kurt. Sylvia and Kurt. That's right. That's right. I was inspired to go old school. That's right. Yes. So, and I went, I went, you know, I went Hamash. I went real old school. <laughs> so, in the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the guilt offering. So, same place. And its blood shall be thrown against the sides of the altar. And all its fat shall be offered, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering to the Lord. It is a guilt offering. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. I didn't just jump there, did I? Yeah. I don't know. Did that, did that, in, as well as the kidneys. Okay. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The guilt offering is just like the sin offering. There is one law for them. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it, and the priest who offers any man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering that he has offered. And every grain offering baked in the oven and all that is prepared on a pan or a griddle shall belong to the priest who offers it. And every grain offering mixed with oil or dry shall be shared equally among all the sons of Aaron. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offering, and the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. And I want, I want to know if they have... Okay. Okay. Um, um, the Thanksgiving offering consists of 40 loaves, 10 each, this is reading from the notes here, 10 each of the four kinds enumerated in the passage. Half of the Todah's flour is used to make the 30 unleavened loaves, which include oil. The other half is used to make 10 leavened loaves baked without oil. Reb Hirsch explains that, leavened loaves uh, <clears throat> that the leavened loaves symbolize growth and unrestrained freedom. The unleavened loaves represent food and their oil symbolizes well-being, for food and well-being are the two essentials of life. Thus, the combination of leavened and unleavened loaves in a todah shows that the person has emerged from constricting danger to unrestricted life, or leavening. 
But at the same time, he recognizes that he owes everything, his food and his well-being, to God, and he rededicates himself to him with the matzah. One loaf from each of the four kinds is given to the Kohen to acknowledge that our deliverance from danger and the duty that flows from it are thanks to God, whose emissary is the priest. The sages teach that after the coming of Messiah and the perfection of the world, there will be no further need for offerings of atonement, because people will no longer sin. But there will always be thanksgiving offerings. This teaches both the importance of expressing gratitude and the teaching that in messianic times people will bless God even for what is seemingly bad because they will realize that everything God does is ultimately good. That is like huge. <laughs> that is really huge. That teaching about what, it, what things will mean in messianic times, which means, you know, and in Messianic times, it was after what Messiah did that the temple was destroyed and there could be no more sacrifices. Because we live in Messianic times. Almost we never. don't need them offered. And yet, the Thanksgiving offerings that express gratitude still have a place. Yeah. And so, you know, they're... they're um, <clears throat> You know, a lot of times when people ask, well, if the, if the temple is rebuilt, would there be a need for offerings? And, and that's where I always go back to, well, what's, what's the point of offerings? You know, if, if something is being done uh, in remembrance, if something is being done to show the picture, if something is being done to teach, I don't think it's bad to have them. But do we, you know, we're, do we need the offering for atonement? No, because the picture's already been completed. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I think this is, I think this is, I think this is just amazing to have in the notes from the rabbis, you know. In messianic age, there'd be no need for those sacrifices. Okay. Then... If it's the messianic age, you don't have a problem. But if it isn't, you do. <laughs> so. You know, I know God's ways are higher than our ways. Mm -hmm. So you always want to, especially when I first started reading about it, it's always been my mind that animal sacrifices. And then I guess it, because it all ties in what Christ would do later, huh? Mm -hmm. I think that's the area on why it's. Well, I think. Done that way. Yeah. And I, and I think that the, the idea of. The life of an innocent in the place of the life of the guilty. Yeah. I mean, once you're not doing human sacrifices, you've kind of got animals. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you're kind of limited on on life. Mm -hmm. And and I think that I think that the animals that were chosen and they, they did have an impact on society. It was a large sacrifice. I mean. It, Obviously, you couldn't offer a sacrifice of something unkosher. It's not like God could say, go, go you know, bring three frogs and, right. and put them on the altar. But at the same time, I think that there was supposed to be an element of personal loss. Oh, okay. You know, if you're having to take uh -huh. your tractor, yeah. essentially, mm -hmm. and, and because, of, because of your guilt and your sin, you're having to take something, you know, you have to take your car. And put, and, and put it on the altar and and experience that personal you have to just smash it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll you'll take the car out to the outside of the community and whack the doors off and you know, <laughs> slash the tires and Yeah, it can't be the old car, it has to be the new car, unblemished. Unblemished, yeah. Okay, it's fine. I don't know what those are. That's right. That's right. It's like, oh, oh. Okay, I'm doing it. That's right. I'd be crying the whole time. That'd be painful. It would be. It would be. And it was. And it. And it was. I think that there is a deterrent factor there. There, when your when your actions have direct and obvious consequences. Ideally, you you would think. You know, I mean, it's grown people. It's, you know, people who should have taught. They know better. They were taught all these things. They've been raised with it. Mm -hmm. And and then when they're finally accountable for themselves, I mean, 
I don't know. At some point, you're either going to pull yourself together or you're going to run end up. You're going to run out of sheep. That's what I was going to say. You're going to run out of sheep and you're going to end up in debt to somebody else who can hopefully try and help you get your act together. You know. <laughs> but at, at a certain point, I mean, you can only do so much. And so. See, maybe that's the problem with society today. There's no real big personal consequences for your actions. So. There's not. And people leave a trail of destruction in their path and feel fine. Yeah, whatever. Because, you know, their their intentions were good and therefore, you know, what I you know, I don't know. I didn't mean to do that. And what trying to teach my kids, one of the, the most important things is it's an accident because you didn't mean to do it. There's still damage. And there's still amends that need to be made, and there are still consequences, even if they're not directly to you. You know, you lose relationships, you lose, you lose people's respect, you lose opportunities. Um, you know, and that's why the lesson last week was so so key to me. Is it was all for un it was the unintentional stuff. It was God saying, "I know it's an accident. Mm -hmm. You still did it. It's still not okay." And, you know, our society wants to go around and be all, yeah, but it was an accident. As though, therefore, I shouldn't have any repercussions, you know, or therefore, I shouldn't be held accountable. No. <laughs> you still did it. Okay, you murdered a bunch of people, but you know what? He had a real bad upbringing, so. Yeah. How many others had a real bad upbringing? Right. You go around shooting and killing I think people. my favorite commercial of all time was the, the attorney's office that, that used to say, and I don't know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it says, have you been arrested for DUI and feel that you're innocent? <laughs> but I'm just like, and feel that you're innocent? Were you drunk or not? <laughs> <laughs> How did, and and I know, having worked in the law, I know that there, I know that there are. There's the difference between not drunk and not guilty of a DUI. I mean, I, I get that there are things that attorneys are there to suss out. And by all means, if you get arrested for a DUI, get an attorney, because even if it's just a matter of getting the best opportunity that you can, you know, you you need to be represented. But to do it based on the idea of you've been arrested for a DUI and feel that you're innocent. Yeah, you I worked with somebody who felt she was innocent. Yeah, you were either drunk or you weren't, and you were either driving or you weren't. I mean, <laughs> she didn't feel she was drunk. Oh yes. God. Yeah. A lot of people don't feel. I only had one beer. Yeah, it's like I only had seven. Alcoholics yeah. that can drink a six pack and function just like I'm functioning right now, but if I were to slam a six pack, <laughs> that's right. You know. Yeah. But so they don't feel they're drunk, but they've got the alcohol in their body. To right. I they are. She, I, yeah, I tried to convince her that if she's that. in traffic and sees someone she knows and stops in the middle of traffic to, to say hi, to, to say hey, you want to ride? That is in bad judgment, probably because of the drunkenness. Right. She she's like, I don't do that any day. So maybe. Maybe it's just a mercy ticket then, and you should change your ways whether you've been drinking or not. <laughs> Plus, you know, maybe she's just under the influence of bad judgment. <laughs> they, they did change the law, so it doesn't actually just do because it's not drive. It's not drunk driving. It's driving under the influence and under the influence of anything that impairs your judgment. Yeah, so it could be prescription oh, drugs now, along right. with illegal drugs. Include the alcohol. Yeah, they they cover their butts with a DUI. Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, there's still DWI laws, too. DWI? Yeah. yeah Driving DW while, Driving while intoxicated. intoxicated. Versus uh, under no, the influence. Under the influence of anything. Yeah. What's DE? Diatomaceous earth. It actually is something, but. <laughs> no, it's not legal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get the bath another hour. So okay. I stop the DE. <laughs> attorney. There you go. There you go. So okay. So so this is these these loaves. Um, these loaves are an offering that will continue in the messianic age. They they, they still have a place with Messiah. So and the flesh of the sacrifice 
is his peace of his peace offerings for Thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. And and I you know I just, uh, verse sixteen now, and part of it you know. Um, no, you just read sixteen. No, you said. No, she read. 15. I read fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that says, Through hermeneutic reasoning, the sage is derived from this verse that the time limit of eating the offering before the next morning applies to the flesh of all offerings, unless the Torah specifies otherwise. Thus, not only the Todah, but also the Chadas, the Asham, and many other offerings are eaten for a day and a night. The major exception is an ordinary peace offering, which may be eaten for two days and the intervening night, as well as, it's, uh, as, well, as will be explained in the next verse. Um, it says, indeed, since a todah is but a variety of peace offering, why should it not be eaten for two days and a night like all other peace offerings? Well, a todah comes to thank God for a miracle, but we are surrounded by miracles all day long. As we say in our prayers, we thank God for your uh, miracles that are with us every day. Thus, when we bring a todah, it is only because we happen to become aware of one miracle, while we remain oblivious to all the others. Therefore, a todah may be eaten for only one day. Tomorrow, there will, there will be other miracles for which to be grateful. So, verse 16. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day, what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity. So what if they mean by the third day, you're going rotten, don't touch it? Probably. Probably. I mean, generally... That's that's a really good time limit to put on foods that are not being refrigerated and yeah. Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten; it shall be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh. But the person who eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And. So if you can't touch nobody unclean, no animal, no nothing that's unclean, unless you're unclean too. Right. Um, right. So how would you know that somebody's unclean? You unclean? I shouldn't touch you. Well, that's why in <laughs> last, last week there was a sacrifice that covered not knowing and learning later. Yeah. So yeah, if you were accidentally that. exposed to somebody who oh, was unclean and you I didn't... Accidentally not here. Yeah. <laughs> Accidentally. So, um, let me see. Specifies contamination. says, while his contamination is upon him, I want to... Yeah, I'm trying to see what it says here. Um, verse 20 and 21. Well, um, let's see. Uh, a contamination is the different kinds of contamination. Oh, that soul will be cut off. This is what I was looking for. Oh. Um, this refers to the punishment of charis, which is spiritual excision. There is a dispute among the commentators regarding the exact terms of charis. Rashi states that the offender's uh, minor children die, and he dies young. However, uh, not like they would kill him, but just meaning death will come upon your household. Um, contends that children do not die unless the Torah specifies that punishment. The Talmud... Uh, Yerushalmi states that the early death takes place before the offender becomes 50, but the Talmud Bavli holds that it happens between the age of 50 and 60. Rambam, basing himself on variations in the verses that prescribe Karis, maintains that there are different degrees of this punishment depending on the merits of the sinner and the severity of his sin. If someone is basically righteous but could not withstand the temptation to commit a Karis sin, he will die young but will not lose his share in the world to come. If his sins outnumber his merits, his soul will be cut off from the world to come, but he will not necessarily die young. He may even live a very long life. In cases of idolatry and blasphemy, the Torah prescribes both early death and loss of a share in the world to come. Childlessness, too, applies only when the Torah specifies it, but is not a part of every karas punishment. Rambam stresses that the very mention of karas in the Torah demonstrates that there is eternal reward for the soul if there were not an unimaginable degree of spiritual bliss awaiting the righteous soul after it leaves its body, there could be no such thing as karis after death. So, so just every you know when when we encounter the idea of being cut off from his people, 
um, unless it specifies what that means, like if it says sent out of the community, or if it says put to death. Mm -hmm. um, but when we just encounter the general idea of being cut off from his people, then there's an element of it's left to God. It's something you know God is going to do. It may involve dying earlier than you might otherwise have, but still maintaining your rewards in the world to come. It might mean living a great long life here, but no world to come for you, you know, or any variation in between. And so there is an element of this is where we have to say, you know, God is just and merciful and we trust that to him. And then there's also the, the, the other side of that, the human side of that being, you should probably pay attention to what he's saying about this, you know, regardless of what it actually looks like and regardless of what Messiah having come may or may not have done to impact the consequences of certain things. This is one of those things, you know, where you should go exclamation point. I should pay attention to this. You know, God's saying, if you, if you eat these offerings or, or, or you take, you know, if you do the, if, and there's uncleanness on you, that's a bad thing. Just don't do that. So, and if anyone touches, verse 21, an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast or any unclean detestable creature, and then eat some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. What, what is detestable creature? Uh -huh. it, would, it would be, it would, I think it would be an unclean, like, because there are certain things that, are, that he says are unclean, and there are certain things that he says are an abomination. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, this is not okay for you, and this is disgusting. <laughs> the pork is an abomination. Sure. I think all the, the, the shellfish is unclean, but the pork is specifically an abomination. The pork should, should not eat it. <laughs> what is the detestable thing? Yeah. He says that's... That's but particularly disgusting. I told someone about that. Uh -huh. And they say, well, what about that part in the Bible where God said, what I've made clean, you cannot say it's not clean. Yes, he was talking about... He's talking about... Well... He's talking about that one? That, yeah, that one. And, and it really, it's... It, Peter interpreted the dream as being about the people. Saying if he basically what God was saying is if I'm telling you that I'm saving the Gentiles and I'm taking them from being unclean and making them clean, how dare you tell me that you will not take my gospel to them? Right. Because what was on that sheet were things that it, it was, wouldn't eat, right? Right. It was the uh, it was the unclean God animals. Was you to eat it. Right, and they represented the nations, mm -hmm. and 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 that was the thing. If Peter hadn't interpreted the dream himself, mm -hmm. I think an argument could be made that is generally made. Mm -hmm. But Peter, you know, Peter didn't get up and go eat a pork sandwich. He got up and took the gospel to the Gentiles. <laughs> you know, and what's and what's interesting about that story is he was actually stay. It's very specific that he was staying with Simon the Tanner. And a tanner is somebody who dealt with dead carcasses all the time. Mm -hmm. So he would have been, because of his job, mm -hmm. unclean. Mm -hmm. But here Peter was staying with him, right. understanding that because he was saved, mm -hmm. inherently doing his job did not make him spiritually unworthy to be around. Mm -hmm. And yet he was still hesitant to go and deal with those disgusting Gentiles. But you know, people who say that, like what somebody like quote that to John, uh -huh. usually don't know what surrounds that. Right. They'll just take something out of context mm -hmm. and then shoot it at you. Yeah. Because the okay, interpretation is actually here, you know. the interpretation is, I think, a chapter later. Yeah. Because Peter gets up and says, yeah. "I had a dream and God told me this, and He means this." Mm -hmm. I mean, Peter actually says that, mm -hmm. but most people read. That, that that section yeah. and go That's see it. it says, and usually they wouldn't you know, know one verse, verse from verse right. the most misunderstood misquoted yes everything yes I think they do that because they really want to eat it and they here's the excuse so I don't want to know what came before or what after I just want to work on what I think there's an element of that and I think there's an element of people have been taught 
it's okay to eat it. Look, this verse says it. And so they just pair it back. Yeah, no, it's true. fine. This verse says it. And, and not everybody who hears that knows that the other part of the story is there to even counter it. Yeah. And so, you know, regardless of what they personally, because even, like, I never felt comfortable eating pork, personally. But I hadn't really studied it out. It just was a general discomfort when I would eat it. I would feel, I, I just, I knew it was an abomination, and I kind of thought, I... I'm not really sure, but I think we shouldn't be eating things that are an abomination. <laughs> but but I, I didn't research it. I, I was just I just went I didn't eat it out of and personal I never comfort. Knew about it. My parents ate it, so I ate it, but I never liked the fat on it. I mean people I see people eat the meat fat and things. But I never I never chose it wasn't like my favorite thing. Yeah. I mean I ate it when it was Whatever. served oh, to me. I love I ate it when it was served to I, me, too. I don't care that much for ham. <laughs> I hardly honey. ever asked Yeah, but I like the honey baked. Honey baked. I didn't care for the <laughs> ham. I just like the honey baked. Sylvia, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, because they never taught me this. Oh. Yeah. With the pineapple. And the I didn't like, like pork top. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, I didn't argue it with people, you know, if they would say, you know, you could eat it. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to. And, and so there was... <laughs> Okay. So, so when when he in, you know when he inter but when he interprets it himself, that's where I got to come back and go. Just we can't we can't reinterpret his dream, for our own benefit. You know we have to re we have to accept the interpret. It'd be like you know most and most people would never think to reinterpret Joseph's dreams. You know you wouldn't go and say. No, that's not about his brothers bowing down to him. That's about, you know, God's going to give me 12 children. Or, you know, I mean, you, you, you don't do that. You just don't take yeah. things that are interpreted in Scripture that, we, that are, we're told this means this and go, but for personal preference, I'm going to say it means this, you know. Except that. <laughs> so. <coughs> So verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, you shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat. The fat of an animal that dies of itself and the fat of one that is torn by beasts may be put to any other use. Okay, it can be oil in your lamps. You can make soap with it. Yes, you can make soap. That's what soap used to be. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, ooh, really? Ew! Yeah. Yeah. No wonder I stopped using them. Dryer sheets—they're made out of animal fat. Are they really? Yes. There's one brand that's made out of vegetable stuff. Well, wasn't it lard? Isn't that like the pig fat? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It had to be beef fat. It had to be pig fat. I yeah. Know. That would so, be tallow. Would be the beef fat. There you go. So, so you can use it. You can use it to grease things. You can use it to, you know. But for the Jews, they still couldn't use pig fat. Right? No, not pig fat because it's the ox, the sheep, the goat. Okay. Yeah, you weren't. If a if a pig died, you were supposed to like get a stick and shove it. I, you weren't supposed Why to would touch they even it. Have a pig. They didn't have pigs around. I don't know that they would have had pigs, horse, but, but wild ones neighboring. Um, and they do serve a purpose in. Um, um, <laughs> Eating garbage, you know, they're they're oh. a great recycling thing. Cans. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of read it as plain and simple. You should not eat the fat of ox, sheep, or goat. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But say, but it's kind of like, okay. You can eat the fat of a cow, but if that cow dies of itself, actually, cow ca is under ox. Cattle, cow, cattle. Cattle any cattle. cattle. Any cattle. Any sheep. Any goat. No, it doesn't say chicken. Right. right. Or, and and you may eat the fat of chicken. But it, yeah. like, okay, say the no, chicken then. So the fat of an animal that dies of itself. Eat that chicken died of old age. The fat burn off if you cook it right. That's kind of how I'm saying it. Yes. Mostly. All of it. Baby. I think, okay, let me see. I, 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 I see what you're saying. You I'm, like I'm trying to. Like, I got everything. I know, right? It's like charcoal. My dad It's okay, well, some chicken's like melts into dust. Cajun! Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Black and chicken. You like That's chicken. right. Yeah, yeah, so. wrong yeah. Kind of yeah. Our mom's afraid of, like, salmonella, so whenever she makes, like, grilled chicken, she, like, burns she it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we... Yeah, and then Larry made chicken, I was like, 
It's not worse. It's like, Mom, you're <laughs> oh banned from making chicken That's now. That's like the first time I How had good barbecue that wasn't blackened. Was like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is why people eat this. Yeah. This is... This is what, okay, this is the comments on the fat and blood, because I, I, I see what you're saying, and I okay. I can't argue with it. I think it's, I mean. Yeah, of course you can't argue I can't argue with it. It makes sense, <laughs> but I, I wanted to see if that's how it's been interpreted. Because the prohibition against consuming fats and blood applies to all sheep, goats, and cattle, whether they are consecrated or not. Although the word is commonly translated as fat, there is no English word that defines it precisely, for in terms of this prohibition, fat means only the fatty tissue that is placed on the altar in the case of offerings, with the exception of a sheep's tail, which may be eaten. As the following verses make clear, fat is forbidden only from species that are eligible to be used as food offerings. But one may eat the fat of such animals as deer and heart, and the other kosher wild animals that may not be used for offerings. So there's no prohibition against non-offering animals, okay? The animal that died, i.e. a kosher species that died without shechita, um, and, and an animal that had been torn to death, the animal did not die of its wounds, otherwise it would fall under the category of the previously mentioned. Rather, the animal had been mortally wounded and then was killed by... Shakita, or the, um, which I think it's the, the kosher kill, or the animal had a disease or wound in a vital organ that would cause its death within 12 months. In both cases, the meat may not be eaten even if the slaughter was performed in a kosher way. So, so if it's, um, you know, if, if the fat of an animal, so don't eat the fat of cattle, sheep, or goats ever. The fat of any other kind of animal that dies on its own or is torn apart by beasts, you can use the fat for other things, but don't eat it. Okay, so if you, you know, you can, you don't have to waste the fat just because the animal died. But pretty much an animal that dies from some illness, you probably don't want yeah. to eat. Yeah, you probably Just saying. Uh-huh, ever. There is fat naturally occurring in the meat. Right, right. but this but is specifically the fat that there's that is supposed to be marbled. cut away and put on the altar. Right. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that's marbled through the beef, it's going to cook away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you're not supposed to, um, you know, the the organs and the different fatty organs and yeah. things. No more beef livers for you. <laughs> no, I, have no issue. <laughs> I tried liver once. No complaints from that side of the table, no, right? No, <laughs> no oh, wait, more they need some more hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, okay. So for every person, verse 25, for every person who eats of the fat of an animal of which a food offering may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no blood whatever, whether of fowl or of animal, in any of your dwelling places. No Whoever yeah, eats... Yes, that's right. No tartar. Well, I know. I think people so eat like steak is, uh, fairly... Thing. No, you mean when they say they take this yes. one out of context. See, yeah. It's clearly talking about animals here. Did you hear it say humans? Well, and you shall eat no animals. blood. You know, eating blood is very different from getting a transfusion. That's what I would think. Yeah. They don't think so. They just throw No, they don't want to take in. They might just be on the safe side. Yeah. So, I won't take in any blood into my body that's made of fowl or animal. No. I draw no limits. Okay. Well, and that's that it's very is specific here. Yes. You're gonna turn yourself into goat man or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, you know, interestingly, when you if you have to get blood transfusions, it can change. It can affect your 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 everything. I mean, it can affect it. It becomes a part of you, and the DNA can affect it. It can change your blood type. I mean, there's there's certain things well, that can happen. It, depending on the level of the transfusion, and dep- I mean, I've read different things. I mean, it can affect your blood type. It can affect different tests. It can show up as as different, um, you know. And so, when you're taking in, you wouldn't want to take in chicken or cow blood, you know. And no. no. So, more whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. So that whole twilight thing. No. <laughs> God says no. Yeah, no. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel saying, Whoever offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. That's what? nice and tidy. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like a... What? Did she 
the way it's worded in the in the Chumash is, speak to the children of Israel, saying, when one brings his feast peace offering to Hashem, he shall deliver his offering to Hashem from his feast peace offering. So, yeah, you take it. You're, if you're bringing it to the Lord, you bring it to the Lord. Yeah. There you go. His own hands, and I think this is the key, his own hands shall bring the Lord's food offering. Yeah, so, so in other words, you don't send your neighbor with it. You don't send your servant with it. And you don't it. necessarily give it to the priest to do it. You do it. Right. You take it and, and deliver it. Um, he shall bring the fat with the breast, that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of your peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the, oops, I don't have the end of that verse. Let me see here. Um, and the thigh of the raising up uh, has been taken for the children of Israel from their feast peace offering. And I have given them to Aaron the priest and his sons as an eternal stipend from the children of Israel. Yes. So if it's an animal with like four legs, would you give both of the right sides? We got left and right. Okay. Okay. There are good. I'm glad you could answer that because I went deer in headlights. <laughs> I don't know. No, the size, it, it would be the back leg. Okay. <coughs> good question. Okay. So the this is the... Okay. I thought so. Well, just look at a dog. Yeah. It's, it's different body. Different structure. Mm -hmm. structure. Yeah, if I was going to dog leg, I want the back leg, I think. Mm. There you go. Nice, nice thought, Marie. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> so that wonderful you imagery. That's, that's right. No dog. Thanks for the imagery, Grandma. <laughs> Love it. Saying, Love that wonderful imagery. No Vietnamese cuisine for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So this is the portion of Aaron and of his sons from the Lord's food offerings from the day they were presented to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel from the day that I don't know why it's being cut off. The day that, yeah, this, the day he brought them near to minister to Hashem, that Hashem commanded to be given them on the day he anointed them from the children of Israel. It is an eternal decree for their generations. Um, this is the law of the elevation of the burnt offering, of the elevation offering, of the grain offering, of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, and of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So going into chapter 8. Yeah. There's more. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and the bull of the sin offering, and the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him, and in the breastpiece he put the urim and the thummim. And he set the turban on his head, and on the turban in front he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. I just thought of something. Yes. So you got this whole hump congregation here in front of the tent of meeting. How are we talking about hundreds of thousands of people? Right? Yes. Millions. Yes. Okay, so you remember the little game in school where the teacher would whisper in your ear something? And it yeah, like, oh, telephone, telephone, yeah. Still got the very last kid. Yeah. So completely oddball. Yeah. Telephone. How does one guy with no technology like we have today tell 100,000 plus people a message and they get to that last person on the end. Greek Correctly. technology. I, Greek city amphitheaters that you could that are positioned in an oval They were in the wilderness. Yeah, they were in front of Yeah, I think that I think that there is an element of even the people who couldn't necessarily hear. I mean there are certain things they couldn't see but they can hear. Well, and there are certain things that it talks about God. Like God, God amplifying, amplifying his voice. Mm -hmm. There there are certain on different things. But then there are also things that the people didn't necessarily need to hear. They just needed to be present to witness. 
And so he's doing all the, you know, the Lord said to them, you need to come to this place. But then what they came to that place to do was to witness what was happening. Well, like when he was on, like, okay, okay. Like when he said the, the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And they, the people came to that place to to, to witness. Right. Well, see, he was in a position where he was up when when he spoke, it, it ampered right. all across. So, however it was, the tent could have been a certain area, but the people was down where the sound could filter. Well, through. definitely like, when bounced off Mount Sinai. Right, and then when he's at Sinai and he goes up and he's speaking, there is there is a, that carrying it down. I don't know. I'm just trying to visualize really a hundred thousand plus people. That's a lot. Yes. Yes, That's and I think that there are some things that they would have. I think that there, I think that there are things that they would have needed to, like the, what they were told was to come be at this place. I think there are other things that that they would have been miraculously amplified, and they all would have heard it. And then I think that there may be other things that maybe the the chiefs of each tribe were told, and then they they were responsible. I mean, they were also because it was a non technology society. They were much better at communicating, you know. They 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 learned by memorizing, and you know when you when you look at the just tribal communities, their their histories stayed alive for thousands of years by being sung from one generation to the next, and then they got written down eventually, you know. So you know, like, and your voice carries. Like you can say something to here, and somebody can hear you. And maybe Moses was just as loud as I am. But, but that's what I meant. With so many people in there, you're talking, yeah. you know, that's yeah. a good half mile or better stretch of people. Yes, right? yes. That's a long way for your voice yes. to carry. That's what it absolutely echo is. That's right. So Moses took the anointing oil, verse 10, and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waists and bound caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering, and he killed it. And Moses took the blood, and with his finger put it on the horns of the altar around it, and purified the altar, and poured out the blood at the base of the altar, and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull and its skin and its flesh and its dung he burned up with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Wouldn't the place where they burned the offerings and everything, wouldn't it stink? It smell like really yeah. nasty because yeah. all the blood everywhere? Probably. Well, the smoke and everything went straight up. So yeah. You <laughs> smell it out here. <laughs> I don't know, but between all the stuff getting burnt oh, up, the blood splattered it's everywhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> Picture a slaughterhouse. Yeah. It was, it was like perfume. It was With lots of gold yeah. and bronze. A beautiful <laughs> slaughterhouse. There you go. And then he presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it, and Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. He, he cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat. He's that must disgusting. be dramatic to watch. Oh, yes. Funny, oh, yes. I bet it would be. He washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord. And and barbecue itself does smell good. Yeah. I mean, not true. necessarily Please to the vegan. No, but. You talk about video games being violent today. That was some pretty violent garbage they had to do back there. Yes. Yeah, but it wasn't for people. Right. Yeah, but it's chill. It's uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that we're showing kid TV shows. That's right. This is not yeah. going to be on Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it, and Moses took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then, yep. Then he. Um. No. 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 That's not an unclean animal. Right. He didn't eat it. He didn't eat it. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, no, thank you. There are some things I'm glad my ordination did not include. Um, <laughs> verse uh, 25. Then he, thank you. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidney with, with their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf and one loaf of bread with oil and one wafer and placed them on the pieces of fat and on the right thigh. There you go. <laughs> and he put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Yep. <laughs> then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, food offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his sons' garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and there eat it and the bread that is in the basket of ordination offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And what remains of the flesh and the bread you shall burn up with fire, and you shall not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed, for it will take seven days to ordain you. Mm. And has, as has been done today... The Lord has commanded to be done to make atonement for you. At the entrance of the tent of meeting, you shall remain day and night for seven days, performing what the Lord has charged so that you do not die. For so I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. So, okay, First John 3. What? Did you have a question? Is that it? Like, are we done? No. First John 3. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. First John three, no slaughtering. But I might sing. So, uh -oh. hold yourselves. Hey, hey. No, it's not. You bring those See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Do you know that song? Do you know that song, Marie? What? Yeah, the. Um, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Oh. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Mm. That we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. First John. First John 3. Yeah. 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 And there's another one later, too. There's lots of little kids' songs that come from this chapter. The reason why the... And, and it says, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Mm -hmm. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of, practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, now this is not saying that, I mean, there, you know, we talked, like we talked last week about you know, all of the things, all of the unintentional sins, sins that are out of your hands, sins that are, you know, not, they're things that are just part of being human. This is talking about being unrighteous people. You don't just get to say, you know, I'm saved, and continue in your adulterous relationship. You don't just get to say, you know, I'm good before God, and go around, you know, gossiping and destroying people, or stealing, or, you know, um, we were talking, was it you I was talking with? 
the other day about about the fact that there are words and there are actions. And and people's words, you know, I, I give a certain amount of weight to them, but they are very easily overridden by actions. Actions speak louder. Actions speak louder than words. Your actions reveal your character. <coughs> your words reveal what you want me to think your character is. Someone who says I'm sorry and keeps doing what they've always done was not sorry. Or they were sorry they got caught, or they were sorry that they were in trouble, or they were sorry that you were mad at them. See, that's why they say kids don't do what they say, do. they do what they say. <laughs> they do, yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. You say don't smoke, but you're smoking. That's you right. You don't drink, but you drink. And, and when we say, <laughs> I'm righteous, you should be living righteously. And, and that's more what I think is, you know, because a lot of people will take this, this chapter and they'll say, well, I can tell if you're saved or not by your actions. But then I, I'm judging, that's a judging your heart in a way that is, I know. Uh, I, I can't determine that. Yeah. But I can read this and I can see a principle in play. Mm -hmm. And I can <coughs> determine who my fellowship is with based on whether somebody is actually living righteously regardless of what they say yeah. or not, you know? And, and so often people want to go, oh, well, it's just brother so-and-so. Well, brother so-and-so is calling himself brother, but he's not living like a brother. Maybe brother so-and-so needs to be put out of the community so-and-so, <laughs> you know, because he's hurting people and nobody wants to accuse him because he's a member. And, and what John is saying is people's actions reveal who they are. So, it walks like a duck. That's right. Like exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> no, he got bit by a duck when he was a baby. Ooh. We don't like ducks. <laughs> it was awful. It's funny because I would always feed ducks. Well, he, went, he, he touched one duck and apparently the very that possessive okay. boyfriend of the duck came hey, running up and <laughs> snapped and like bit his leg. Oh my God. I have a scar still. Yeah, he has a scar it. from it. Drew blood? Drew blood? Yeah. Oh yes. That out. duck and I had a little come to Jesus meeting right there. <laughs> and and he backed down. All the way up there. I, 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 I very close to, I you gave it the look, out. if you dare come close, you're getting kicked. And he went, and walked away. It's <laughs> like, uh, I'm not messing with I was going to say, sacrifice. I almost. Sacrifice. No, and I went, it was at the zoo, and I complained. And I'm like, my child was bit by a duck. They're like, well, we don't own the ducks. I'm not saying you own the duck. I'm saying a duck on your property bit my kid. And they're like. Well, they said, oh, I know. Yeah, the duck, talk to God. Act of God, act of God. We don't cover ducks. You know, I'm like. You know the duck, because he's like, oh, yeah, that one's possessive. Like, you know the duck has a vicious constitution. Move it. But it doesn't fly back. Oh. Move the girlfriend. Yeah. Move them. Move them somewhere away from the children, for goodness sake. Yeah, cage them in or something. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, that duck, around, you think they're okay. by yeah. that duck's character, I know it was not a good duck. <laughs> His actions spoke louder than feathers. That's, That's right. Why you say your bark is worse than your bite. That's right. No, that was not. <laughs> His bite was worse. That's right. His honk. His honk. That's right. Oh my goodness. So verse verse nine, wow. and and this is this is the key. It's not about it's not about whether or not you sin. What what John says in verse nine is really key here. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That's right. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. You know, God saved you from sin. He saved you to change you. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, and I, and I will say, I, you know, it's important to, to temper this truth, which I do believe is the truth, with the reality that God is working with people and we are all in process. And so just because I might see someone continuing to sin in a particular area of their life, that is not to say that God is not working on what is a more important area of their life. And, and so it's not to say that 
all of your sin areas will be resolved pronto. It's to say, I should see growth in you if you're claiming to be walking with the Lord. If you are, if you are righteous, you know, I, I'm, not going, I'm not going to condemn someone, you know, for, for not changing their diet when God might be working on their adulterous heart. You know, but, but you can see when you know people over time, when you're in community and when you're in a relationship with people, you can see if they're, if they're changing, if they're getting more mature, if they're, if they're, you know, and you can see when they aren't, you know, it's, and, and it's okay to acknowledge what is, it's okay to say, yeah, I'm just not seeing, you're saying one thing and you're doing another. So for this is the message, verse 11, that you have heard from the beginning. You don't have a verse 11? You say First John, right? Yeah. Not after we, after uh, Jesus. Yeah. First John. First John, John. Not John. You're not in John, are you? First John? Oh. I don't know. Chapter 3, verse 11. For this is... First John 1. That's why. Wrong chapter. He's just listening. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Um, I wonder where I could find We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Mm-hmm. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You know, there, there's that point where you say, oh, I'll pray for you mm-hmm. and do nothing and it's like, hey, I'm starving. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. I'll pray for you. The myrtle wall. The what? The myrtle. Remember the myrtle, the palm, the... Yes, yes. Uh, from from um, Sukkot. Yeah. The, the myrtle, the, the heavenly, so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They're the ones oh. who say, I will pray for you and do nothing to feed you. Okay. It's like even... It's like I have this food right here that I, I don't really want, but, you know, I'll pray for you. Right, right. And, and that is, if you have the world's goods, there is an aspect of, of God entrusting things to you, you know, that for made, his purposes. That made me think, because somebody told a story that he, he had a sandwich, and he hadn't eaten off it or anything, and he thought, oh, I don't want this sandwich, so I'm going to give it away. Uh-huh. And so he saw a homeless guy and said, here, here's a sandwich for you. And the homeless guy said, wait, it's a ham because I don't want ham. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you hungry or not? <laughs> and you yet, have no food or not? And yet, keeping kosher. That's yes, gotta respect I it. <laughs> I trust in a God who will send me a I kosher sandwich. Turkey. It's like turkey. Turkey's good. Some turkey <laughs> chicken. <laughs> Because it was given to him, he didn't know. He's like, I don't know. He said, oh, wow, this is him. Yeah. So God didn't want it. I was like, wow. See, that guy, That's that funny. that guy was the taking the rewards of the next life over the rewards of this life. <laughs> <laughs> he says, that him because I don't even him. You That's know, awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's rare. So yeah. That's right. That's right. But he's not that hungry in America, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get that hungry in America. I don't know. Well, yeah. So in some areas, but not in a lot. I don't. I mean, there are a lot of places people can go yeah. for help. Mm-hmm. You know, not enough, but there are. Yes. There are true. a lot. But it. But this. If. If. One of the reasons why I have really been working on decluttering um, the last few years is. I kind of feel like God has brought, I, I, there was a part of me that used to hold on to things because we need them again. And now boys' clothes I do hold on to because I know I'm going to need them very specifically, you know, because I have kids coming through those sizes. But there are a lot of things that I would think, oh, what if I need this again? Mm-hmm. And then I realized one day, wait, God brought it to me when I needed it. He's capable of bringing it to me again if I should need it. Maybe I'm supposed to give it to somebody else right now who needs it. 
And you know what? That is so true. I, I lived that. The one example come to my mind is, you know, when I had Lisa, because after Tanya, I thought, okay, I'm done. I got a little girl now. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And then, you know, almost three years later, here comes Lisa. I'm pregnant with Lisa. Surprise! Yeah. Not to God, but to me. Yes. And then <laughs> it's like, okay, so now what do I do now? Right. You know, and I'm talking to God, okay, you go, I have to swallow it. Yes. You God, gave yeah, it. Like I'm always, like I always have been Right, doing right. And so, I mean, people just started giving me clothes. Just, it was just coming from everywhere. And it was girl clothing. And the lady said, well, I don't know. I, I have girl clothes, but I feel like I should give this to you. I said, fine. She said, do you know what you're having? I said, yeah, you just told me a girl. I said, yeah. I'll send a message through you. Why would there you, you give go. me boys clothes That's right. a girl? And I was so right. Said, there you go. That's I right. Don't need, I don't need the boys clothes. need the boy clothes. I mean, you just told me. That's awesome. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. It, you know, when we, when we hoard, yeah. you know, and by hoarding, I mean, I don't mean like you know, live with all the dead cats. But I mean, when we, when we um, hold on to things we don't need and we aren't using, then we may be missing out on being part of a miracle Mm -hmm. or of receiving a miracle because there's no miracle need. I mean, if I have it somewhere in my closet, God doesn't need to provide it for me. And people gave Tanya so many clothes for Mark until she was giving them some away. Some yes, the she had she too said, much. Yeah, too much. and that's too much. and that's the thing. When God when God gives things to wow. us, sometimes they're for us and sometimes they're for others. Yeah. And so, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, mm-hmm. and and there is a place for boundaries. You know, it doesn't mean you have to give away all your earthly possessions, but it's mm-hmm. the idea of yet closes his heart against him. Yeah, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not, not love in word, verse 18, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And again, your actions speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And I think that sentence, it's really important to have that complete sentence because people like to read verse 21 and say, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. (laughs) And whatever we ask, we receive of him, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, comma, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Funny how they cut those little things. Yeah, those little pesky commandment comments. What the heck? You know, just edit those out. Verse 23. (laughs) And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Yeshua HaMashiach has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Yeshua is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome have overcome them, the Antichrist. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know that song? <laughs> do you know that one? That's one of my other little favorite yeah. children's songs. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. Knows God, he who loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. That's a good way to learn scripture. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Verse 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Mm -hmm. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. Propitiation. That's a five-point word. (laughs) Five-point word. And, And I love how she says, and sent his son, verse 10, to be the means of taking away our sins, which is what propitiation means. (laughs) So, uh, Um, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Yeshua is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is so, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. (coughs) And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And in conclusion, conclusion. so pretty much. A whole lot about love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And about that's the evidence. And, you know, you can't, you know, there, there is a, there is an element in there. um, You know, when I've dealt with people who, who I've suspected were possessed, (laughs) one of the things that I, I encourage them to do, especially if they claim to be a Christian, and I'll say, I'll say, you know, who, who is Jesus to you? They, they can't make a profession of faith. They can say I'm saved. They can say I'm a Christian, but they can't say what he says there in John, that, that Yeshua or that Jesus is the Son of God. Some of the people you thought were possessed? Yes. Yes. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, <laughs> than are dreamed of in your books. <laughs> So, thoughts, questions, <coughs> ideas, no fears, because perfect love casts out all fear. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh-oh. So, I'll close it out with, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.